Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Nearly there, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to episode 113 of GigPod. I'm Stevie, and I'm with Rizzo, but we're going to chat about the big news of the weekend that every GigPod listener, and I think every Celtic fan, is dying to hear us go on about for the next 20 minutes or so. John, you got your free dinner. Is that you happy now? Hi, everyone. Hi, Stevie. Yes, uh, it was even better than the game, I'd say. Even better than seeing John Henderson at halftime was... That pizza that you bought me from an unnamed establishment in uh, central Glasgow that we will name if they give us any freebies ever. But uh, no, thank you at last for the dinner, Stevie, and we probably won't do a prediction competition ever again now. I want to just move on away for that, and I've not checked my bank balance since, okay? Now, we're on here, John, on Sunday, just before six o'clock. That's it, practically done, isn't it? And now Rangers win today. So we now have to wait till Wednesday. Very confident we'll be celebrating. I am I'm confident as well. I mean, I think the team will be worked up into a frenzy ahead of the game. I think the fans will be, I think there'll be Celtic fans everywhere, probably in the home end as well. I think the fans will be all ready for a party. I think the players will be in a, just eager to get the game won and celebrate with the fans at the end. No, I think we'll be celebrating uh, on Wednesday night. And the team deserves it because in the league we've been the best team by far and we're going to be worthy champions. Fully agreed. And, you know, John, I'm 
trying to build up the energy to talk about this because of course the league doesn't matter if you are looking to win a title those days are behind us now so we can only just try and hope that next season we take the Champions League very seriously because of course the league just doesn't matter John and I think it's very important we hammer home that fact that that is the precedent that is now set for seasons going forward. Yep, the league uh, doesn't count anymore, of course, no. Uh, that's why a certain team was desperate to win at Celtic Park last Sunday. And the fans were celebrating when they scored and they were trying for a winner. Even because of that, though, the league still doesn't matter. So those scenes yesterday didn't really matter. Do you think believe this or do you think they know it's a joke? I should hope they know it's a joke. But bear in mind, we did have a supporters bus from after Dingwall wanting to put a hat out on us for a wee wind up at the Scottish Government. So you just don't know, John. It's a hard one to tell, but I'm hoping people know that, yes, this is indeed a work. However, we'll talk about the game itself. You were raging having to meet me an hour before the kickoff, weren't you? Why don't you get into that with the listeners? I just thought it was daft. I know you like to, when you go to games, get there early, which I don't usually. So I originally suggested I meet you at 11.30. But no, that was too early. That was too late for you, so it had to be 11. But uh, we still managed to have a good time at the game and after it, even though your uh, your timekeeping decision at the start was ludicrous, in my opinion. We had barely gotten our seats and Hearts made it 1-0. And it was Sims who put the ball away. It was a very good finish within the first few minutes of the game. And John, the opening 10 minutes now, we're obviously going to be talking about how great Celtic were after that and the main man in particular that dragged us through it. But those opening 10 minutes... They were quite something, weren't they? I mean, both of us just looked at each other going, is this, is this actually happening? And we've got no divine right to win. And Robbie Nielsen did say Hearts were going to come there looking to shock us and get an early goal and then build on it. So that's what they actually did. But I think deep down, we also knew Hearts were going to struggle to maintain that press for 90 minutes compared to ourselves, especially at Celtic Park. But it was a wee bit of concern how we started the game, I think. It was, and I think everybody was shocked. The atmosphere at the start of the game was a bit weird as well. I mean, I don't know if it somehow has got something to do with Rangers uh, getting to that final, which we won't talk about. But the atmosphere before the game was a bit odd. It was a bit flat. And that was really helped when he's given away a goal in the first two or three minutes. I have to say it was a good goal. And I think Ellis Sims is a good player. I don't know if he's good enough for a team like Celtic yet, but I think a team like Hearts, he obviously stands out. And I think, actually... I don't really want to praise Hearts, but I actually thought Hearts actually played quite well. And they're by far the the best team of the rest out with us in Rangers in Scotland. And I mean, you can see why they've finished third. They actually play good football, which is a bit surprising for a Hearts team because a lot of Hearts teams you really associate with like aggression and sort of being tough and putting in hard challenges. But they actually tried to play football, which was unexpected. And I actually thought they did play no bad. Obviously, we were much better and our class did tell. But no... The first 10 minutes were a struggle. We gave away that daft goal and then like the passing was poor as well. The fans were getting wound up, you could tell, and like, whenever there was a misplaced pass, people were getting annoyed. I don't really think anybody thought we were going to like somehow lose the league, but I mean, I think the start was concerning, but thankfully that only lasted about 10 minutes, as you say, and then we got a grip in the game and started creating chances. And we got a grip in the game because Callum McGregor, the best footballer in Scotland, just dragged us through that. A lot like Ibrox, wasn't it, John? 1-0 down, Callum McGregor just decided, nah, fuck this, and then just dragged everyone through the game, took it by the scruff of the neck, showed why he's a captain, brilliant leadership. He went on a mazy run, 
down the left to set up a Kyogo chance. But just generally, you could see him finding space to receive passes, driving his own. And I would say that when Callum McGregor got to grips with the game, the rest of the team stepped up as well to actually back him up so that he wasn't just doing everything himself. Unlike like last week with the Rangers game where he was doing way too much trying to drag us through that. This time the rest of the team responded and you know the, the attacking players like Matt O'Reilly, Jota, Kyogo, Maeda, they were all fantastic and the team's response to going 1-0 down eventually after Callum McGregor, as I say, just stepped up. It was great to see. Um, John Mebelos without him. I mean, as I say, he's the best footballer in Scotland. He's the right choice to be the captain of this club. He's such a great leader. You've got to say, if we didn't have Callum McGregor in the team at this point, or just in the last few weeks, would have been lost. He's just been brilliant, hasn't he? He has, and I saw uh, some people complain about how he got player of the year, but when you consider that this was a new Celtic team that got through together and he was taking over for a guy in Scott Brown who will go down as a Celtic icon and I see that he did retire uh, yesterday, so I don't know, maybe he'll beat Celtic Park next Saturday, that'd be good. I won't be there, the folks, but I won't say why. But uh, no, I thought Carl McGregor was excellent. As you said, it, it was reminiscent of the win at Ibrox, where he just took the game with his scruff in the neck, he drove Celtic on, he did what a captain has to do. And like, anytime we score a goal, I've noticed like he always is getting to the players and saying, like, keep pushing on, keep pushing on. I think he done it in Saturday, but I noticed him doing it in other games as well. Livingston, I remember, he was doing that, like trying to uh, get the next goal that would like put us in control. But no, he's the ideal captain for us. I mean, as I said before, he doesn't sort of wind people up like Scott Brown did, and like you don't really. And he is, and wisely, he isn't even on a uh, social media. As he done, he done a Q and E with Celtic Twitter the other day, and he said that he was never going to be on social media, which is a smart thing for. MD to do, but especially the captain Celtic. But uh, no, I thought he was excellent. He just is probably the linchpin of the Celtic side. I say it's him, Carter Vickers, and Kyogo. They've been, and Jota, I suppose, they've been our four most important players. And we, we really would be nowhere near as good without Cal McGregor. And he's done well. I mean, he had to sort of integrate all these players into the side. Like the midfield's completely changed for last season. And you would never know that you'd think this midfield that we've got when their own song has been together for years. That's how well they can play. But no, it was all about Callum McGregor. I was surprised he didn't get man of the match. It was Jota. He had two assists. So I suppose that's why. But no, I thought Callum McGregor was excellent. And he is a worthy player of the year. If only the journalists in Scotland had, uh, had seen sense and instead, but they instead gave the award to the best goalkeeper there's ever been, Craig Gordon. John, you saw yesterday with Craig Gordon. Four goals, yes. And he stopped it for being maybe seven or eight, arguably. But the main thing he did yesterday was get a reaction out of me. I mean, especially in that first half, John. You might want to tell the listeners the state I was getting walked into. I have to say, Craig Gordon, uh, we spoke to a Hearts fan after the game, who we won't name, who absolutely loves him. But uh, understandably, I suppose, because he's one of Hearts' best ever players. And hopefully in two weeks, he'll be a cut one with Hearts. He was been annoying with his time wasting and like always moving the ball at the middle and... That was really annoying you. Although I, I want to say something as well. He didn't, I don't think he actually done that well for the third goal. We'll talk about the third goal more when we talk about the goals. But for being the greatest goalkeeper there's ever been, I think he could have done better with that, uh, with that shot by O'Reilly. But because he does like, a good save once in a blue moon, he's uh, the best player in Scotland, apparently, according to the football writers in Scotland, who we would never criticise. Dyson Maeda made it one each. Wonderful bit of solo play by Jota down the right. 
excellent ball in. And I thought Maeda done very well, John, because the ball was travelling at pace behind them. And a couple of things weren't coming off for Maeda in that opening sort of 15 minutes or so. Tried to put a couple of balls over into the box and he slaffed them. And generally his touch wasn't the greatest. But didn't let that affect him. He came in for the far side and he was where Andrew always wants your wide players to be, in the middle. As I say, the ball was behind him and he was composed and clinical enough to put it under Craig Gordon's legs. thought that was a very good finish and a lot of people might not go on about it, but it was an important goal at that stage in the game, just like Kyogo's one, which we'll talk about in a wee minute. But genuinely, Maeda did very well for that, I thought. Yeah, but not only was it behind him, but it took a deflection as well. So he had to adjust, really, to get a shot on target. And it was sort of reminiscent the way he ran into the box. Remember his chance against Ross County? But it was a it was a half volley, I think it was, and it got tipped over the bar. He was in that position again, which is, as you see, what Ange wants his attackers to do, get into the box as often as possible. In fact, Jota should have had a goal in the second half, but it was unjustly, in my opinion, ruled out off, uh, offside when he'd run into the middle. But no, I thought it was a good goal. And the good thing about him is that he doesn't let his, his missus affect him. And I don't mean his wife. Boom, boom. Good joke there. <laughs> no, I mean, he missed the great chances against Rangers last week. He missed a, ch- a chance and it was uh, 1-0 at Hearts yesterday. But that doesn't stop him from getting into the penalty box to try and get the goal. And I think he scored maybe six or seven goals for us so far. And I think that's a good return. And as I, say, I said to you yesterday at the game that I think he'll be much better next season when he's no played like a full season in Japan before he joins Celtic. He'll have like a full pre-season training with the team and I think he'll go for strength to strength for us. I think he could easily get 15 to 20 goals next season. I mean, he's already scored, I think, seven, seven or eight for us. So, no, I thought he was good yesterday and he didn't let his miss, miss chances affect his confidence, which is a big thing for a striker. I know he's not technically a striker, but for a guy that's always up front for you and I thought he took his goal very well. And you want to talk about Matt O'Reilly in a wee minute. Before his goal, did very well down the left for the second where he took out a Hearts player, putting a ball at the back post. John knocked it down, enjoying the bravery and the desire of Kyogo to win that ball when he could have really taken a sore one for one of the Hearts players to just nudge it over the line. And as you said off air, put Craig Gordon into the nets was fantastic. And he made a fool of him as well with Gordon greeting, saying the ball was never over the line. And even the wonderful Sky Sports cameras picked it up that it was 100% over and Andy Walker, who uh, isn't the biggest fan of us, John, was even saying that Craig Gordon uh, had got that one completely wrong and it was the right call by the linesman to give the goal to Celtic. Kyogo deserves way more credit for that. I've not seen a lot of people talking about it, but he showed some bravery and desire to get that one over the line to put us 2-1 up. He did. By the way, Andy Walker is a Celtic fan. He just... Uh... Doesn't really act like it often. I know, but he just always constantly moans about any decisions we're getting. I know that's true. I think that, I don't know why, does it be Sky telling me that? But no, as you say, there's been a lot of talk about O'Reilly and Jota, like rightfully so, because both of them were excellent. But as you say, Kyogo was so brave. I mean, that's the what you want a striker to do. Go in where it hurts to make sure you get the goal. <laughs> I don't want to sort of put pressure on him, but it reminded me of sort of Larson goal. Do you remember it was... Pataudry, I think it must have been 2003 when we got to a European final, which is of course the only thing that matters. That season, uh, he broke his jaw, no, he never broke his jaw against Aberdeen, Livingston, that was he broke his jaw, wasn't it? He got injured scoring a goal against Aberdeen, but he went in where it hurts, it was him against the goalie, 
Like he'd gone to the end of a ball, and like he ended up getting really badly injured for a few weeks, and that sort of reminded me of Larson Go, how he was willing to put his cell in where it hurts to get the ball into the back of the net or over the line like it was yesterday. His goal against Rotskirchen reminded me of Larson as well. I mean, I don't think he's as good as Larson yet. I don't think he's uh, as good a finisher as Henrik Larson. If Henrik had some of the chances that Hugo missed this season, I think he'd have scored every one of them. But no, he deserves huge praise for that because it really was brave. And he was lucky, really, not to get injured. He's always getting for I think he's more of a, a hard player, if you know what I mean, than people think. Like, I mean, he did do that challenge last week in the world's greatest football player, John Estera uh, Lundstrom. So, I mean, I think he's tough, really. And people might not think it because he's a... I think he's a sort of guy that always smiles a lot and he seems to be like a humble type of player. But no, he's willing to go and do the dirty work and that's what he done for that goal. It was really brave and did remind me of Henrik Larsson. I don't know if you remember the goal at Aberdeen I'm talking about. Don't think I remember that goal. I know that Larsson did score many headers and he was having to be so brave when he did so, especially up against the cloggers of the early 2000s SPL. But I don't remember that particular one. I get the comparison. I just don't remember that goal though. It was on, oh, I remember, I think it was at New Year, and it was on BBC, and we drew one each. That's all I, I really remember. No, I thought Kyogo, I mean, he's still no 100% fit, because he's still no uh, played an entire 90 minutes since he came back for that injury, but he still managed to score two goals, and that just tells you how good a player he is, and if he manages to stay fit next season, and he sort of avoids the, the unlucky injury he had this season, I think, I mean, out for four months where a hamstring injury is unlucky. But if he can stay fit, I think he can uh, get at least 30 goals next season. And I think that him and Dyson will be massive for us next season. I think they could get like 50 goals between them. And I really think that's what they should be aiming for. Because I think they say like, the Messi at least, I think will be better this next season than this season. So uh, I think that's something to look forward to. But no, Kyogo was excellent as usual. Now after the restart, we completely dominated for a spell. Then Hearts had a wee spell, John. One of the things we never talked about yesterday, even at the game, we probably did observe it, but we never chatted about it together. I thought Celtic's defending in that spell was very impressive. Now, you brought up the Dundee game where we conceded two set-piece goals, and to be honest with you, I think we were going through a wee spell in general in February where we were conceding goals from set-pieces, and it all seemed to change after Livingston away, wasn't it, where we became more of a threat at set-pieces, and we were defending them much, much better. A few months ago, John, Hearts, when they had that wee flurry of like maybe three or four corners or was it free kicks in like dangerous areas, you would have probably betted us to like crumble or fold and do something stupid and they would have scored from it. But the team were very strong physically and also mentally to hold out. And then after we weathered that storm, a few minutes later, Matt O'Reilly goes up the pitch, wonderful ball in with Greg Taylor, takes a great touch, Puts it away so well. Another very composed finish when he could have probably smashed it from there. He just picked his spot and sort of disposed it past Gordon. It was the one place that he just wasn't getting that. I thought he took it very well, to be honest with you. But I, what's your general thoughts on the defending before the goal? And also a shout out to Greg Taylor for the cross he put in. There's not a lot of people talking about that. But Taylor had a very good second half, John. So your overall thoughts there? Well, as you see, Hearts did have that wee spell where they had his sort of penned in for like five to ten minutes. They never really created many chances, but they did have set pieces and we were saying at the game like it was always a concern still 
when we give away set pieces, but no, the defending at set pieces has been much better. Uh, unless I've completely lost it, I can't think of a goal we've conceded recently for all my set piece. There probably has been one, but can't really think any. But as you say, that was a real problem a couple of months ago. That Dundee game, we were talking about the game, that was just the strangest game. I mean, Dundee got relegated yesterday and they could have easily took points off us and Rangers in the last couple of months. That was very weird. But no, we've really tightened up there. I mean, I thought uh, Carl Vickers was brilliant yesterday. I thought Carl Starfield was good, but he's, he really has to improve on his distribution. And I feel bad seeing that because he's he's on the whole after a pretty dodgy start. He's been superb for us. I mean, him and Carl Vickers are a big reason why we're going to win the league. But his passing at times can be a bit dodgy. So, And I know that Ange obviously likes all his players to pass and like be footballers. So... I think he'll maybe working on that in the summer, and if he like, can improve his distribution, he'll be a, a very good player for us. I still, I still think he's a good player, but I think he can get even better. And either goal, I thought it was a really good goal, Greg Taylor. As I said before, he's the sort of guy that will never get the credit he probably deserves because he's not a, a flashy, high-profile player. He's not like he's not came through the ranks. He's not like a Celtic guy. I think he is now how he really celebrates when uh, when we score goals. And that was a great uh, cross to Matt O'Reilly, and I thought that was maybe one of O'Reilly's best games for Celtic. And he really started to score goals. He'd, anyway, he's that sort of spell where he went a couple of games without scoring, but now he's adding goals to his game. There was the St. Johnson uh, goals he scored. There was that one yesterday. And I think he's a very good player. And he's still only young. Um, he's only been here for half a season. He's another guy that I think can get even better next season as well. I mean, I really do think We'll no talk about this in this episode. We'll talk about this in like the during the summer episodes. We really need to buy a sort of an enforcer in midfield, especially for the Champions League. I'm not really sure how well Riley will do there because he wasn't really great against Bodo Glimp, but I think that was due to Ange picking the wrong side. But no, he's been very impressive for a guy that's only been here for half a season. And I think domestically, at least, he'll get better as well next season. I think every player we've bought can get even better next season. The ones in January. Maybe, well, either Gucci, I'd say as well, because he's highly featured. So, I mean, if he gets a run on the team next season, that'll be like, him improved as well. But no, I thought O'Reilly was very good yesterday, and it really was a good finish. As I say, though, I think that the world's greatest goal, like Craig Gordon, maybe could have done a bit better, but tough shit for him. And to make it 4-1, big Gigi, the man who has had such a big impact for us, especially in the second half of the season. Good work by James for Actually, first off, Greatest goal in the world, did make a decent save from Rio Hitati. We played very well when he came on, John. We were both talking about that at the game. He looked more energetic and maybe that break and not starting in such an intense game did him the world a good, especially up against Hearts, who were probably tiring at that point as well. He hits the shot, Craig Gordon saves it. James Forrest, John, who you were saying impressed you when he came on, did well. He cut it back for Gigi and his finish was emphatic, 4-1 and fully deserves three points for Celtic. I as you said about Hitati, I thought it was very good. And I really think that we probably should have started doing that a couple of weeks ago, sort of phasing him out in the starting lineup and putting him on the bench because, as you said himself, he's knackered after playing that entire season in Japan last year. But as we've said about all the signings in January, I think he'll be even better next season. And James Forrest, that's the best he's played uh, in a while, since Livingston probably. I mean, I don't think he'll ever be the sort of Celtic player he was. I think injuries have did that for him. But I think they'll probably keep him next season, and he always can be useful off the bench because he's got so much experience. He's won so many trophies 
he's got loads of Scotland caps as well. I think people forget that. Like when Scotland was starting to improve under uh, Steve Clark, he was a big player for Scotland. He scored that hat trick against Israel that I think got Scotland that won the Nations League for Scotland. I think so. He's been a big player for club and country, and I think he'll go down as one of Celtic's probably best players in the last like 20 to 30 years. And he'll go down as one of the players that Celtic with the most honours. I think he's probably won even more trophies. Well, nearly as many trophies as Scott Brown if he wins the, the league this season. But no, I mean, I don't think he'll ever be a, a starter every week for Celtic again. And he's getting towards the end of his career. And I think next season will probably be his last at Celtic because his contract expires at the end of next season. I really doubt we'll give him a new one. But no, I thought he was very good. He looked energetic. He was eager to like take players on, and he was in the right place at the right time as well. After Gordon had saved, uh, hit at his original shot, and as you say, a brilliant finish by Gigi, who I think has been our probably best player in the second half of the season. I mean, his first half was ruined by injury and that penalty miss against Livingston. That so it was a mil- a milestone for a bit of a while. But no, he's uh, he's overcame that. It was massive in the two wins over Rangers. In fact, there you go. The two wins we've had against Rangers this season, GG started them both, I think says a lot. And I don't think he'll start every game for Celtic, no with Kyogo. But I really do think that next season, if he can maintain the form he showed in the second half of the season, he'll be huge for us. Because in Europe, especially, I think he'll be massive for us because he offers something different. He's eager to like battle with centre halves, and none of the other strikers are sort of like that. And, but Gigi offers something different and I think he'll be a big player for us next season. And John, before we talk about the celebrations, it's been confirmed on Israeli broadcaster Sport 5. They're reporting the midfielder near Beton will leave the club at the end of the season. I think when it comes to departures and signings from Celtic, we were going to talk about that in more detail in a future podcast at the end of the season. But you wanted to say a few words on him before we talk about the celebrations? Yeah, uh, I think Neil Beaton on the whole has been a good player for us. I think he's been here like nine years and he's won a lot of trophies. So in a way, I feel a bit sorry for him because due to our uh, ridiculous transfer activity practically every summer, he was forced to play centre-back in like massive Champions League qualifiers. And sometimes it worked, but a lot of times it didn't work. And I always felt bad for him because he was so much better in, uh, as a midfielder than as a centre-back. He'd done all right as centre-back on occasion, but he's really a midfielder. And he can leave Celtic, like, delighted with how his career Celtic went. I mean, he won, like, f- four trebles ways, helped us win nine in a row. I think he was there for eight of them. He's won the league this season, and, like, even though he's no started that often, it was still, like, for big games or tough games, he was in the starting lineup. Like, that game against Livingston, everybody was in a panic about that Ange picked a really like strong physical team. Like we were all confused. Why was Juranovic not playing? Why did Gigi no start? Beton came in and he was excellent. He helped us control that midfield. The game at Ibrooks, when we desperately needed the ball, he came on the second half as a sub and was absolutely brilliant. That's probably a good way for his like select career to end, helping us get a huge one at Ibrooks. And no, I think his family were on the pitch with him yesterday. And I think I seen that his family wanting to go back to Israel and he can leave Celtic as a a good player, a very good player at times. I mean, as I say, it was unlucky at times how he was forced into centre-back in big games for us due to Celtic's uh, ridiculous transfer activities year after year. And we were in these terrible situations where we had to play players out of position, which thankfully we don't need to do next season because we're already in the Champions League group stages. 
But no, I think that Neil Beaton was a good player for us and he'll leave with the best wishes everybody at Celtic Park and all the Celtic fans. We talk about players who have left and potential players that are coming in when we do a pod at the end of the season as well, like maybe a couple of weeks after the Motherwell game. But John, before we go, we've got to talk about the celebrations. Now, it's weird because apparently the celebrations yesterday were going to be ruined because of the achievements of a certain other team. Apparently we were going to go there and be tripping faced and be hating things, but uh, didn't quite work out that way, did it? I had an absolutely brilliant time yesterday at Celtic Park and I thought the scenes were terrific. I'm sure you would agree. They were excellent and uh, it was good that Ange sort of played more of a role than usual. I mean, I know he doesn't like that sort of thing. I even think next week that he'll not really be a big, he'll not want to be a big part of the celebrations. I think he'll want to leave it to the players, but I'm sure that the players will be desperate for him to get involved. And I'm sure when he lifts the trophy, everybody will be going crazy celebrating. But no, I thought they were great. I mean, again, I saw McGregor was sort of leading that and like getting the players to go over the fans. And it was a bit weird because like we hadn't actually won the league and we've still not actually won it. But like, it wasn't the actual game where we won it, but obviously it was still a celebration because we've all bought won it. But no, I thought it was great at the end, and I mean, maybe some of the songs could have been a bit better, but I'll let's see how away with that. But no, I thought it was great. I mean, the team is really united. Even like a guy like Scott Bain, who never really plays for us, he like was part of the celebrations. And no, I mean, I thought the atmosphere was great in the end. Like, all the singing and stuff was excellent. It was still a bit odd, and we were talking about this at the game, that some people left early. And unless they had somewhere to go after the game, that does strike me as a bit odd. And I really hope that nobody leaves early next Saturday. Like, just before we're going to get the trophy, I think, oh, I think I'll just go now. Need to go on the road. But no, I thought the celebrations were great, and it was a great day at Celtic Park. It was good after it as well, but we won't talk about that. But... <laughs> No, it was a, an excellent day all around at Celtic Park and I'm sure when I'm in the deepest, darkest Edinburgh next week, I'll be raising a glass to the champions when I'm uh, eating a very expensive dinner. <laughs> and now, John, we move on to Wednesday to officially win the league at Tannadice. We've done that before. A couple of times, may I add? We can officially do it under Ange on Wednesday, May the 11th. And what's going to be our plans then, John? When we're talking about that, we're going to obviously watch that in Glasgow, aren't we? And then do you reckon fans will go to George Square or do you think they'll go to Celtic Park after it if we do it? And I'm sure we will. Uh, I'm not sure because I don't think the police will want people to go to George Square. But uh, I don't know. I think the fans will be out in the East End. I think, I think people will go to Celtic Park and they'll wait for the players to come, even though the players probably won't get back until about one in the morning. I don't know. Stop people. Probably would stop me, but it will stop me probably. But no, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it's still a huge achievement to win the league. Don't care what MD says. Everybody knows that. Especially when you consider how poor a start the season we had, how the summer was a complete waste because we chased after Eddie Howe, whose team Newcastle getting hammered, by the way, by Man City. We chased after him for months and months and then he decided not to come on the last minute and then managed turned up, but he didn't even have the correct licence to manage the team at first and then the guy that supposedly appointed Ange lost his job and We'd made a worse start to a season in years when we were six. I think it was in October. But here we're going to win the league. And I'm, I think the the players will be wound up into a frenzy to get that game won as soon as possible. I think the fans will be bursting, it seems, to celebrate uh, big style. I think there'll be Celtic fans in every stand, if that's possible. But no, I mean, uh, it's going to be a big night. And... Uh, 
everybody should enjoy it because it's brilliant when you win the league, especially a, a season last where Celtic weren't expected to win the league. I don't care what anybody says, few people expected us to win it. But we are going to win it and it's going to be a big celebration and I hope everybody's a great time. Yeah, John, where are you at Tannadice? Where are you at George Square? Going to Celtic Park? Going to a pub in East End? Or just watching it at home? Hope everyone enjoys it as much as possible. We thoroughly deserve it. And I echo everything you said there. So, John, I'll see you again on Wednesday and we'll have massive sort of celebrations planned. Well, I say massive, but I don't think they're going to be live on telly or anything. We'll maybe just do some sort of audio or video content right after the game. And I'm sure that's what people can wait for. But we'll keep folk informed of that on Twitter and Instagram. I'm really looking forward to it. It'll be all I'm thinking about now as of tomorrow. It's going to drag in. But we've both got the Thursday off, John. So there's no excuse for us not to get absolutely shit-faced on a Wednesday night, at least, is there? <laughs> no, none at all. So I'm sure we'll be raising a glass eh, to all the Celtic heroes that are going to win the league. So thanks to Stevie for this week's episode. And thanks to everybody, as ever, for listening. You know where you can find us by now. We've done this so often in every podcast platform you can find us. Keep the, keep the good reviews coming in. Keep the download numbers Go through the roof, and as hopefully like Celtic going to win the league next week, hopefully we'll get even more listeners. Stevie will no doubt be on six seven hail hail this week. Is that right, Stevie? At some stage, I was on it yesterday with Hamish. Um, of course, let's not talk about me and busting into song or anything, John. Thanks, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm not sure about this week. I know Hamish is doing a live one right after the game, but it's not going to be with myself. So if I'm not on this week, then it will probably be after the Murrow game. I'll be on at some point and maybe talking about the season in general. Yep, so watch out for Stevie on 6-7 Hail Hail, but even when he's not on, it's still worth watching with Hamish and Big John and all the other guys. You can follow Stevie on Twitter, at GigPod. Follow him on Instagram, at GigPod, where he'll have content on both sites on the lead-up to Wednesday and after it. And we'll be back after the Millwall game at some stage to reflect on what will hopefully be a, a glorious Celtic celebration at Tannadice. We've had a couple of them before. So let's all hope for another one on Wednesday night. So we'll speak to you all soon and hail, hail. Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.